As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. The Major Spoilers podcast covers news, reviews, and of course, spoilers, and goes into details about the topics discussed. So if you haven't read, listened, or watched the items we talk about, you might want to come back later. Hey everyone, welcome to issue 197 of the Major Spoilers podcast. So glad to have you guys here on our weekend. I don't know if we're going to get into anything as super heady as last week, unless you want to. I mean, there's a lot of feedback. Yeah, so tell us right now. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> from last week's episode. Before we get into that, let's ease into something a little bit more fun. All right. I think we pulled the uh, fooled a lot of people because they thought we were going to talk Doctor Who, and then all of a sudden, what's wrong with emotions? Got a question. We were talking about this before the show uh, earlier. If you were a Muppet character, mm-hmm. Rodrigo, who, which one would you be? Who would you be? Um, I don't know. I think I think at different times in my life I would be a different Muppet character. Okay, give me um, some examples. I think most of the time in most of the organizations and groups that I've been in, I'm I'm kind of a uh, Rolf. Oh, yeah, I can see that. Um, kind of, and it's not just because you grow a beard like yeah, crazy. exactly. Not just because that's what my hair actually looks like <laughs> and my nose, um, <laughs> but also because I'm kind of a uh, centered person i'm kind of an easygoing person yeah. and in the end when somebody says hey who's your favorite they very rarely say rolf <laughs> okay all right rolf fair enough. is like muppet jesus if you believe the right people is like muppet jesus what the f and well, muppet rolf was actually the first muppet. the first muppet yeah yes there you go so what is that not my joke folks if you're offended scott kurtz Made the joke, I'm just saying. Oh, okay. Matthew, what about you? I think in, in life, I'm probably Lou Zealand. Oh, uh, fish, guy. the fish guy, boomerang fish. <laughs> hey, I am a boomerang fish. <laughs> Lou Zealand never makes it, never quite makes it to the big time. Yeah. Lou Zealand is always there. He's a Muppet that, whenever there's a crowd scene, he'll be like right next to Peppy the Prawn and in front of, of, of Sweetums. Yeah, he's he's recognizable and people remember him, but you know he's not Kermit. He'll never be Kermit. He's the guy with the boomerang fish. And I think that you know the goofy Muppet getting hit in the face with his own exploding fish really kind of describes my professional <laughs> life on a day-to-day basis. Because I throw the fish as hard as I can, and the sons of bitches always come back. And I think you know sometimes you have you have to accept. And there's nothing wrong with being, you know, Janice. There's nothing wrong with being Zoot. I did take the uh, the 
which Muppet are you or one of those on Facebook? And it said that I was Janice. <laughs> hey, wow. Man. Hey, wow. Man. You do kind of look like a hippie girl, man. I do, especially because I don't have a nose. That's my <laughs> like, second Muppet uh, nose joke today. Well, in the same sentence. In the, aren't jokes generally supposed to be funny? Uh, I, I don't not know, if you listen to this podcast. That brings me to mine is because I'm a fan of the <laughs> of the really bad puns and the jokes. So I'd probably be the Fozzie Bear character that mm. never really <laughs> delivers, but everybody loves. Who wants to hear some funny ass jokes? <laughs> <laughs> Yay, that's that's a really touching moment. <laughs> uh two questions from one of our listeners from Matthew. <laughs> he says, I have two questions. One of my favorite okay. series. Oh, we. Oh, I'm sorry. We already answered this one a couple of weeks ago. What's, Talking about oh, Pirates, of Coney, Pirates of Coney Island, and then there was a delay, and then the, the thing and the thing. So, and the Frasum. Yes, that was. That well, was let the me one. answer your questions in reversing order. The answer to question number two is yes, I probably would, but my wife would probably kill her first. And the answer to question one would be it's never actually been proven. However, there are photographs that exist from college. So, you know, you got that going for you, which is nice. Well, that's that's very, very, very good, Matthew. Um, waka, waka. Waka, waka. Big fan. Just found major spoilers about a year ago. Been coming back and listening to the podcast each and every time that you guys have one out there. I recently listened to major spoilers number 148 about the Legion of Three Worlds and loved it. I was thinking you guys should have Adriana and Kristen from the Super Future Friends podcast. Back to discuss the reveal of where all the espionage squad has been hiding, their role in the last stand of Krypton, and the War of the Supermen. We will have Adriana and Kristen back. Uh, they actually gave us a shout-out on one of their most recent episodes. Yeah. Uh, saying, oh, Stephen, don't forget, you're going to have us back on when Legion Number 1 comes out. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, we are going to have them on when Legion Number 1 comes out in May, something, June? May 19th? No, I think it's May 19th, I think, is when that issue comes out. Won't that be episode 200? No, 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 no. Uh, episode 200 will probably, I'm hoping to hit it on Cinco de Mayo, but I don't mm -hmm. know. That way we can have a reason to drink. <laughs> so, and plus, hey, everybody, Rodrigo's birthday is coming up May 8th. Right. So, <laughs> I thought for a moment you were going somewhere very, very unpleasant. I'm with pretty that. sure. Maybe the, that's the week we should have been reviewing Battle Chasers and had a real life person come in and... Yeah. Make Rodrigo's birthday did someone, swell. Did someone ask for a poorly characterized <laughs> pirate? Actually, you know what? If we're doing if we're doing Telos and Battle Chasers, we should definitely throw Crimson in there I and just that. make that trifecta that. of like mid nineties. I can do that because Crimson's stuff. another one that was yeah. something I was thinking about. Vampire. All right, let, let me say this unequivocally. No. <laughs> Too late already. I'm done. Hey, you were all I'm grumbly. You were all grumbly about Telos and you kinda sorta liked it. Uh, I kinda sorta didn't hate it. Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. There you go. Exactly. There okay. you go. Silver can, can lining. I ask a question on the show since I don't know the answer to this. What is it? Around the time that Battle Chasers came out and Telos came out and there were all those books and the kind of the sword and sorcery thing. And, you know, Battle Chasers went, hey, this will sell. And a lot of books came out. Some of them were knockoffs. Some of them weren't. One of them oh, featured yeah. a character called Kid Gloves. And I cannot for the life of me 
remember what book it was that had kid gloves. And my wiki searches, which are usually remarkably potent, are availing me not. So faithful spoilerites, I know one of you had to be reading comics around 1999, 2000, and know who in the bloody bejesus is kid gloves. I seem to remember him having kid gloves written down his leg, the leg of his pants, and he had kind of a boxing motif. Okay, are you talking about Kid Gloves from the book Terminal City? I don't believe so. All right, because that was a seven-issue miniseries, a male, Vertigo published. I would need to see images of the character from Terminal City, and I can't find any. Okay. I don't see it. And I think Terminal City was a little late. Yeah, I don't know. This would have been right around the fin du siècle, if you will, the turn of the freaking century. Whereas Terminal City came out in like ninety seven. Well, I mean, they for some reason that whole time period is is very mashed up for me. So when you talk about the time period from about yeah, ninety seven to about two thousand one, mm-hmm. because at it's that time the it's what the sandwiches. It's, oh yeah, the sandwiches that Matthew ate in college are having uh, still affecting me yeah. twenty years later. <laughs> <laughs> And I didn't even eat the sandwiches. That's how powerful they were. <laughs> That's right. Ah, the walls are still bleeding. Ah! Um, they weren't bleeding. They were melting and telling jokes. Okay. Waka waka. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't guy. know. Who wants to hear some funny ass door jokes? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Matthew, Matthew. Uh, oh, somehow you got us off. Who the track else but Quagmire? <laughs> well, oh, we got t- any more feedback? Well, they. Uh, had some feedback from last week's episode where we were talking about promoting the industry and some things that uh, industry has to do. And it's kind of interesting that today, May 1st, is Free Comic Book Day, which I think is a great way mm-hmm. for publishers to promote the industry, even though it's not totally free for the retailer. Um, Rico says, while Stephen is right that a competitive industry should pour a substantial percentage of sales into their advertising, we're talking about the comic book industry here, and it ain't dying because they follow logic. They don't try to get new readers. They simply try to slow the loss of the old ones. They play defense because it's the least likely scenario to get them all fired up in the, or to get them to keep them from getting all fired in the short run. Sure, long term they're all screwed, but for now they keep their jobs. If on the other hand they start acting like an actual competitive company out to make more money and more loyal customers, they'd have to start taking serious risks and that could destroy the company or make sure it keeps making money for a long long time. That's what Rico had to say. Mhm. Rico um, makes a good point, except for one thing. Which is? Comic fans hate change. Well, and I know. What is it What is it about change that people are scared of? Well, well comics change. are all about the illusion of change, though. I, it, here's the thing. Somebody was, I can't remember who said it, but there was a recent post wherein we were talking about the Avengers and the release of Avengers number one, and right. somebody said, oh, Spider-Man and Wolverine and some actual real Avengers. Spider-Man has been an Avenger now for over five years. Wolverine for five years. Mm-hmm. You know, this is this is 65, 70 issues, probably hundreds of appearances. And in the minds of some of the readers, they're still not really Avengers because they're new. They're different. They're change. I'm as guilty of it as anybody else. Do you think that people got on this Avengers kick when um, Frank Cho did his run on the Avengers with... Um, what was that? Ultron? Is that the robot that he had all female? Sexy Ultron. Sexy Ultron? No. no? Honestly, okay. I think that was a deterrent because that series was beautifully drawn, but 
kind of incoherent. Mm. And Mighty Avenger, I mean, Mighty Avengers, a lot of people are like, I don't want to read Mighty Avengers because it doesn't make sense. Mm, now, okay. again, that's mostly anecdotal. Okay. That's and, my experiences in the retail industry in Topeka, Kansas, for what that's worth. Yeah. And, you know, Matthew keeps saying that comic book readers hate change. And that's not something that's necessarily particular to comic book readers. It's just that most people hate change or are afraid of it and especially when it gets afraid of a little oh, definitely change. i mean that's 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 def, that's by definition you know people are afraid of the unknown um obviously if the majority of people are afraid of change and you get into a market that is you know considering comparing it to television or movie markets so small then the prevailing mentality may be one that is very very resistant to change yeah i just well, i well, i guess part of the thing that rico points out is that the industry is trying to hold on to the old timers oh, yeah, definitely and i and make there it, was a discussion on twitter today and i forget who started it i i don't want to misquote somebody it may have been eric larson it may have been somebody else but they said that the demographic is 18 to 34 and i have to tell you i don't think the demographic in comic books is 18 to 34 i honestly think the demographic yeah. for comic books is 24 to 45 now mm-hmm. yeah i would agree and that brings up and, a, a a question that litany of thieves he posted a couple of questions he says Number one, do comic book companies do surveys, Sensei, or whatever, to figure out why people are buying book A and not book B? I don't know if they do it. The last one that I know of was from 1995 that DC Comics did that uh, really kind of spelled out the, the demographics of the time and what the people, what their education levels were, how much they were spending each week, and all of those things. It was a fascinating read, but that was 1995. That's a 15-year-old study. Mm-hmm. And today, if you shift things forward, if we say that we're not picking up new readers, but we're continuing to cater to the to the group that now is 15 mm-hmm. years older, that's where I get that shift to the 24 to 45-year-old. Oh, yeah. You well, guys don't do anything at the store, do you, Matthew, as far as surveys of people, why they're buying book A and book B? Oh, absolutely. We do it all the time. I mean, that's one of the ways that they are actually trying to measure the market. Right. But you also have to look at, let's be honest here. Comic books now are almost entirely created by longtime comic books fans. Yeah, comic book fans. Jones. Yeah, yeah. And but if we look at something like you know, even when we do the the what I call the stunt casting, um, that's Robert Heinberg is going to write Young Avengers. Mm-hmm. It's not his primary job to write comic books, and so right. his comic books come out sporadically, right? At best. Mm-hmm. But the fans of comics have opinions of how comics should be written. And while there are some problems with his management style, I always go back to Vince McMahon. Vince McMahon has <laughs> a similar... Always back to the wrestling with you, Matthew. Vince McMahon has a similar niche market. It goes up, it goes down, comics boom in the 90s, wrestling booms in the 90s, comics crash, wrestling crashes. But Vince McMahon's writing staff explicitly looks for people who are not wrestling fans because they don't want people who are always going to preach to the choir. Right. You can't keep rehashing Ric Flair versus Sting. You can't keep rehashing Hall and Nash invading WCW. You can't retcon the marriage of your flagship character without there being creative repercussions. And I think comics are one of the only industries where Almost everybody who is in it exclusively as a comic creator was a huge comic fan. And if you look at guys like Larson, Larson does Savage Dragon because he loves it. Right. 
I, I don't doubt that Savage Dragon sells books. I don't know that Savage Dragon is a book that sells millions of books. And I can't tell you honestly, but I have a sneaking suspicion of what the answer is as to whether if Savage Dragon were the pet project of anyone other than the publisher who's willing to maybe take a loss or make it a loss leader, whether it would continue to be published from, say, Marvel or Boom or Radical or DC. Mm -hmm. But, you know, if you look at it from, well, let's put it this way. You and I are going to write Legion. We are going to write Legion tomorrow. Okay. I better get cracking on some hero histories then. (laughs) Here's what I want to do. I want to go back to the Halcyon days of Legion Volume 5 where they're grown-ups and they've gotten their history. And by the way, Lightning Last and Shrinking Violet have not been retconned away. And Block is still meaningful, you know, even in his thing. And maybe you want to go back and you want to deal with your, you know, the what I call the Archie Legion. Yeah. Where we want to, we want to delve into the things where they had the war with the White Triangle and mm-hmm. they had Mordrew taking over the evil eye and Shrinking Violet going bad and then redeeming herself and becoming Leviathan. Yeah. You know, you and I have different ideas of what is the greatest period of Legion history, but let's say we write a book together that amalgamates both. Okay. We're going to get hate mail from everybody who loves Legion Volume 5 and wants to know why Sunboy doesn't have a buzz cut and Matter Eater Lad isn't biting off people's fingers. Yeah. Dear Stephen and Matthew, where <laughs> is my psychic fishman and tiny spaceship? It would probably be more like, you both suck and I'm going to kill you. You're going to die tomorrow. Does Rodrigo not say that to us every week during the build-up to the show? God, you here's guys, your... I'm going to kill you. You're going to die tomorrow. <laughs> here's your, here's your three, behind the curtain. Two, I'll say, right so, before uh, the show, these... Stephen and I always have an argument, like a married couple, and Rodrigo uh, is like, ladies, knock it off. So Litany of Thieves does say, how do these companies gather their info? Just the letter pages, or do they ask questions at cons and surveys in comics, uh, consult readers at their local comic book shop? I don't think I've ever received a survey or ever taken a survey from a comic book company, even at a convention. And certainly, I've never been to a comic book shop where they say, hey, would you mind taking five minutes to answer this survey from DC Comics? The main thing, and this is the problem that I see with... um, the way some companies, I'm not saying all companies, and I'm not going to point out any one specific, but it is probably a company that I read a lot of. What they base what they base things on is how well do sales go. Yeah, definitely. And if the something is selling, like Avengers, number one, if it's going to be selling and people keep buying it, they're going to get that word that, hey, this is our moneymaker. Let's keep making this let's same Avengers. It. Or let's make it something similar. So now we've got new Avengers and West Coast Avengers and 51 States Avengers or whatever mm-hmm. that, that group is the called. The Initiative. The Initiative. We're going to just keep doing that. States. That We're going to keep doing that. No, there's Puerto Rico. Puerto, Puerto Rican Avengers. Yeah, Puerto Rican Avengers. Puerto Rico is not a state. It will be. Don't worry. Uh, in in the Marvel Universe, I'm pretty sure it is. Yes. Uh, so, so is Genosha. Genosha is a state. <laughs> and, and, and Guam. Guam is a state. It should be. And strangely enough, Latveria. Well, see, there you go. So that's what they're basing it on is is the money sales. So if people want change, real change in an industry, they have to vote for their pocketbook. They have to say, GD it, I am so effing tired of reading (laughs) Batman Confidential and how terrible those stories are. I'm going to stop buying Batman Confidential. And as soon as they put Sam Keith on that title, uh, some people love him. I can't stand his art. I can't stand his writing. I'm no never going back to Batman Confidential again. Mm-hmm. It's one that I'll purposefully, as I'm going down the 
the previews list and I see it, I, I see it and it just goes right off. Same way with Asriel. I don't like that book. Yeah. It's going right off. I don't want to carry, I don't care if there's some major story arc that's going on that involves the Asriel title. I will not be buying that book. So people have to vote with their with their checkbook or their pocketbook or their coin purse or whatever that they're using to carry Money around clip. their major loot, right? Uh, the other thing that is kind of a fallacy or kind of a problem in survey taking is you get the CEO of some big company going to a San Diego Comic-Con or going to a, a C2E2 or whatever and saying, hey, what do you guys think of uh, Blackest Night? And of course the crowd goes wild and he's like, well, there you go. That's why Blackest Night rocks. Yeah. The problem with that is... You're already talking to people who are already interested in the it. People at the Blackest Night panel, right? It's kind of I mean, like come going, on, you guys. It's kind of like going to a McDonald's and surveying people and going, "Well, how do you think about? It? Do you do you like hamburgers? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. Well, a hundred percent of the people surveyed says that hamburgers are great. Yeah, that is that is a big deal, and that's something that actually not even in comics. A lot of companies do is they just yeah they do pull the people. And- that yeah. are active the in their community, exactly. And we have that same problem with the polls the on the major spoiler site. Because, yeah, but we ask about like Jughead versus Matter Eater. Well, but I mean, but we're talking we to we're talking to comic book people. We're not talking yeah. about people. We're not talking to people from outside. And some of them may have an already base built in. Although I'm still trying to figure out churches versus Popeyes chicken. That uh, was a good question. Popeye you liked it. You liked it. I did like that one. I did like that one a Popeye lot. Popeye is, is a comic book character. In the- <laughs> so, but there was one time, I know of one time where there was a backfire on this, and I forget if it was Brand New Day or if it was a DC event. Probably not a DC event because they've been going strong with their company crossovers. Yeah. But the CEO or the editor-in-chief got up and said, hey, what do you guys think about this? And there was a smattering of applause. And you can go back and listen to the to a podcast, not ours, but another podcast where they recorded it. Yikes. And you just hear a few people going, and then they quickly changed the subject and moved on. Nice. And I just wish that it, I, you know, Litany of Thieves who asked this, if there is somebody who wants change, that's how you do it. You stop supporting the crap, yeah. and you stop, and you start supporting the yeah. good. But, now, granted, your but then good we come back to that. Yeah, it goes back to that question of last week. But the problem is, your good may not be somebody else's yeah. good, and your good may right. only sell a thousand issues, and it's going to get canceled anyway. Yeah. What if your good is wrong? Come I on, mean, let's look at let's Battle look at the example. And Red Batman Monica is not wrong. It's they, oh oh so right. That had let's nothing know, to do with sales. <laughs> Of Batman Confidential. Yeah, let's look at Batman that. Batman Confidential routinely sells twice as much as Legends of the Dark Knight. I'm sure it does. Well, okay. Now, who's to say that because you don't care for it, it's actually no, not I, better than the crap? I don't like, um, first of all, I keep bringing up Batman Confidential because you have it in your head that... Well, <laughs> it's, it's, it's become a joke. It's funny. It has become, <laughs> it's, it has become its own joke. But... Um, the problem with what happened with um, Legends of the Dark Knight is it was supposed to be telling the early year stories of of Batman. Mm-hmm. Along the way, we ran into this um, crossover. Yeah, this crossover, and I'm trying to remember which one. I think it was Contagion. I think is where it first happened. Where the Contagion was story Contagion line, before the earthquake. No, Contagion was before the earthquake because that was the Rachel Ghoul thing, mm-hmm. and then you had Cataclysm after that. And that was the earthquake, the earthquake story. Was, was that No Man's Land? And then No Man's Land followed that. Okay. And then, so it was a whole big, yeah. big arc thing. But it began with Contagion with Rachel cool. Ghoul trying to infect people and Robin. And they had to do a crossover into Legends of the Dark Knight. And the minute that they did that, 
that's when the story started stopped being about the early years of Batman and started to be about how can we tie this into the regular Batman continuity? Because you know, some there were some great stories about um, Venom, the 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 drug that Bane takes. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a whole history of where that came from and how Batman was involved in some early drug abuse, and we've you know, we found out where Batman came up with his bat shaman totem kind of mask in one of the first series. And then what happened was we got so far deviated from that and we got so high in numbering, which is another problem I know that, Matthew, you have a problem with. They got so far, and I I don't remember what the last issue was, 197, 200, something like that. And they said, hey, we're too high. We need a fresh start. Let's reboot with number one. Let's give it a new title called Batman Confidential, which supposedly tells tales of the early days of of Batman. Mm -hmm. And so then we get to find out where did the Batcopter come from? Where did the Batplane come from? And... And so on and so forth. So that's my main problem is they really just said, hey, instead of going back to our roots and continuing off Legends of the Dark Knight number 250 or 251, let's give it a new name, go back to our roots, and cancel the other title. It's a known fact that number one issues sell more. Yeah, and and then I know that you have a problem with that, though, don't you, Matthew? I have an issue with the concept of relaunching just to sell more, but I also have a an issue with numbering in general. Right. Because numbering in comics has long been a lie. Right. I don't know if you guys are familiar. I think I, I name-checked this previously. I think it's uh, Vault of Horror. Issue 1 doesn't exist mm-hmm. because issue 1 was actually issue 15. Yeah. I think you were talking renumbering, about that. I think you were yeah, talking renumbering about that on Wonder your, uh, Woman to article. 600. Right. Yeah. Renumbering Wonder Woman to 600 to me is a cheat, and it's just as silly as relaunching Wonder Woman with a number one. It's all about the sales, but something else that's important, the reason why you have not necessarily gotten a lot of surveys from Diamond or the companies or Marvel, Marvel's not in the business of selling comics to you. Marvel is in the business of selling comics to the retailers. Yep. And the retailers respond to number ones because they know number ones sell more. Mm-hmm. People come to the store. I have a particular associate, uh, a known uh, associate, if you will, who comes into the store and specifically looks for books that have recently started because he wants to get in from number one. And if he can't get in all the issues from number one, he ain't reading it. Well, and and I, actually, that, that's, that's kind of the way I am, book. too. I, you know, when I go to a comic store, unless it's a character that I'm already familiar with, you know, if I see a number one issue, especially if it's, you know, obviously, especially if it's from an independent publisher, but if I'm like, oh, I've always wanted to know what the dealio is with the Hulk, I'm going to pick up this number one issue. Hey, wait a minute. Who are all these people that I don't know anything about? Right. Yeah. I I agree with you there. And the final, whoops, I'm already off the page. I was going to say the final question that he asked was... Loading, 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 loading. Is is it is a case of the squeaky wheel, aka you hear a minority of people who are having huge issues and thus missing out on what the majority are reading? Is that what the problem is? Um, you know, there have been minority attempts to save titles. Hmm. The perfect example, most recently, is Manhunter from DC, where yeah. a couple of podcasts, one podcast, got it into its head that it was going to. Save Manhunter, save Manhunter, save the clock tower, hmm. you know, and uh, they got enough Elect people. Mayor Goldie Wilson. But got... is that Manhunter or the Martian Manhunter? No, 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 not Martian Manhunter, Manhunter. Because the, there was uh... some kind of small campaign to yeah, save the, the Martian Manhunter that was even Manhunter smaller, well. but I'll tell you why that failed and why some other ones have failed too. Hmm. So Manhunter worked 
uh, they got enough people or they raised enough of a ruckus in the squeaky wheel manner to say, okay, let's bring Manhunter back. And it lasted six issues and the sales just went in the toilet again. People got interested in it because they heard people talking about it. The people started being interested in it. DC said, let's give it another try. The first issue sold really well, but after that it was back down to what it was or lower before they canceled the series the first time. And DC said, okay, we're canceling this. And now Manhunter appears or did appear as a backup story in Batman or Detective, Matthew, do you remember? I think it's Batman. Streets of Gotham. Streets of Gotham, okay. Um, But you have noticed that when they were announced they were going to kill Martian Manhunter, they tried to start a campaign to save Martian Manhunter. Mm -hmm. Didn't go anywhere. Right. People love the Simon, or I should say some Um, people love Simon Dark, which personally I think is a, personally, I think was a terrible series. mm -hmm. Not worth the paper it was printed on. But but the Martian Manhunter is back from the dead. Well, he is back from the dead. Well, yeah, like what, two years later? Yeah, but I believe that that was a Less than two years. He died in Final Crisis in 07. I I think that was not 07, 09. Um, you know, because death is never final, sure. finite to begin with. But they canceled the Simon Dark series and people tried to bring it back again. Um, and I really think DC took a look at Manhunter and said, it's not worth our time to reinvest in bringing these titles back if they're really, if they're really sucking. And I think that that's why when the next DC title goes into the toilet, or maybe Matthew with your Nova series that you were concerned about on Tuesday show about going on hiatus... Um, some of these may not come back if there's not a minimum level that they can sell the comics on. And I think that that, that Manhunter squeaky wheel uh, example may have killed it for a lot of other people. Or my, you, know what can, you know what got canceled after six issues? What? The Incredible Hulk. Yeah, see? Told you. You know what got, you know what got canceled after 65 issues? The other the original uncan- <laughs> Uncanny X-Men mm. was canceled in 1972 and did not come back until 1976. And when it came back, it launched with giant size X-Men number one. Right. And an all new, all different take and bloody, bloody, flarvendy do. So, I mean, there's, there is a long and grand tradition of relaunches and things of this nature. I think my main issue with what you're saying is not what you're saying being false. Cause it, it is true. It comes from a point where, and I am guilty of it as well. When you say the minority are arguing about this, the minority, we always assume that we are the majority. You know, the assumption is that I, you know what I love, you know what I really love more than anything in the whole world right now. I don't know. Let's say tacos. Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, yeah. Tacos, tacos would be really good. Right about tacos. Now. Hot African-American chicks. Same does, thing. Uh, but no. <laughs> what time does Taco Bell close? Uh, actually, they're open late nowadays. All right. Guardians of the Galaxy. Meal. Guardians of the Galaxy starring Star-Lord and Groot and the Rocket Raccoon. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people come in and they're like, I don't want to read that. That's got a tree and a talking raccoon. It's not one of the most popular titles and we have a lot of negativity or a lot of it is in good faith. And a lot of it is, you know, in fun, but there's a lot of things that are said on the website about Deadpool and Wolverine and their ubiquity. Mm-hmm. Right. But you know what? Deadpool and Wolverine sell a comic book. Deadpool and Wolverine sell comic books with characters like it, the living Colossus and us one, you know, Deadpool and Wolverine move. Books. They sell units. Right. Well, and that's so. It, I mean, they're talking about the squeaky wheel phenomenon, 
comic books specifically phenomenon and we're back to the muppets comic books specifically do not follow that they do not listen to the very vocal minority they specifically follow sales because people are screaming screaming at them do not cancel my blue beetle right and they still do right because it's not getting the the sales the sales right but i'm saying that at that one point with manhunter yeah it was the squeaky wheel and they said well maybe something is going (laughs) on with totally didn't totally didn't work and that's why manhunter came back from cancellation twice right and they still Said, it went ah. on hiatus, came back. Went on hiatus, came yep. back. Yep. But what does that necessarily say about the quality of the book? I don't, well, I don't know Not anything about the quality of the book, but I'm just saying here's, that here's the bottom some, line is the characters. money value. But here are some characters that tanked out their books in their initial runs. Steve Ditko's The Creeper, beloved DC icon, shows up all the time. Hawk and Dove canceled due to lack of sales. Yeah, Hawk and Dove were just recently resurrected in a huge high-profile title. Batgirl canceled due to lack of sense. Right, right. Why is Rodrigo drumming? Because you said a breakdown of something. Let's yeah. break it down of okay. the cast of characters. No, I'm not saying okay. that the characters are dead. I'm just saying that these titles... I, do you really these, think we're going to get a Hawk and Dove ongoing? No, Hawk and Dove are going to appear in the are. Birds of... No, the Hawk and Dove are going to appear in the new Birds of Prey series. Is that not an ongoing? Well, it isn't ongoing, but it's not called Hawk and Dove. Sure. And and I mean, there is a difference between longstanding, beloved characters who keep making appearances and, you know, their individual titles. Right. You know who gets canceled? You know, you know who's always in the Justice League and yet has titles that get canceled all the time? Wonder Woman. Aquaman. Yeah. Yeah. The icons, the icons uh... of the DC universe. Everyone except for Batman gets their titles canceled all the time. And granted, Batman gets their, gets his titles canceled all the time, but it's only because they're getting rebooted as a different title. Curse you! Yeah, they should have never canceled it. Um, <laughs> but but that happens all the time. And it's just it's just the way the medium is right now. And it's yeah. really yeah. annoying, apparently, from what Matthew's saying, from a retailer's well, perspective. It's annoying from a fan perspective, from wanting to say, I want to follow this character. And the only way that you can follow that character is by picking up either four different books or if it's a popular character Mm -hmm. or if it's an unpopular character, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. or air quotes, Mm -hmm. if you will, um, um, is by picking up volume one, issues one through six, volume two, issues one through six, Mm -hmm. volume three, issues one through three, and then picking up at issue, you know, whatever would have been added up altogether. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Issue 27. Yeah, issue yeah. 27. And, you know, just going that and doing that over and over again. And, yeah. and they can't, like, uh, publishers, I, I, I wish, would just understand that they can't have it both ways. You know, you can't keep but, selling number one issues and keep saying, this is the longest running comic ever. We're going to, you know, Thor's going to go from issue 15 to issue 700. Right. But we actually ran the, a major spoilers poll a while ago, and let me find it. But the question was, would you rather read a regular ongoing series or a series that features the same characters, but in different volumes, like what Boom does? Series of mini-series. Issue. Yeah, series of miniseries. Yeah. I'm going to look for that while well, Matthew talks about his, his comment. My irritation with the, the renumbering phenomenon is, I think, partly... Uh, it, it's, it's partly aesthetic in that there's a hypocrisy involved in both relaunching Avengers number one and renumbering the Hulk to 600 in the same three month span. 
Number one issue sell, but you know what else sells right now? Having high numbers. And that other company has 600 and 700 and 800 issues and we need to get our, comp- you know, our books back up to those high numbers so people know it's the high companies. Well, it's the same hypocrisy that I see when people say in the same breath, death should be more meaningful in comics. Oh yeah. Bring back, bring back Kitty Pride. <laughs> you know what? It, you can't have it, yeah, you both, can't have it both ways. ways. You, and you, you you can't argue that this is a special case. You know what I say? I cannot ever argue against death in comics because some of my favorite comics of all time are people coming back from the dead. I think it was Tom um, Spurgeon. This is Tom Spurgeon brought up a really good uh, point on his website this past week or the two weeks ago, whatever it was, where he says, "I." don't care about Green Lantern anymore. I've stopped reading Green Lantern, not because he thinks the character is awful, but because he's reached the point where he feels like he's gotten everything he can get out of the character of Green Lantern. And it's interesting because, and it goes kind of ties into your your comment, Matthew, about death and some of your favorite characters of all time. I, You know, I love Ted Kord as Blue Beetle. I think he's a wonderful character. I thought he was really great, and I'm sad that he's d- dead, and I'm even a little bit more upset that they didn't bring him back. But if DC decided to make this point, or Marvel or every comic book company out there decided to say, death is now permanent, we will have a major group editorial discussion about whether we should kill this character off or keep him. If they decided to make death permanent, Matthew, and let's just say... I don't know. What is who's your favorite character? Let's say the Rocket Raccoon is your favorite character. Okay. And they and they killed him off. And they said okay. he's never coming back. He is he is dead like Craven. Never right. coming back. He's dead like uh Uncle Ben. So he's dead like Craven in that all of his children will come back with exactly the same gimmick? <laughs> yes, no. No, that they're dead. Because raccoons like right have now. a lot of children. Right. Just like just like uh Ted Cord is not back that we know of. Would you be okay with that? Would you be able to accept that yourself? I know a lot of readers wouldn't, but I would think that kind of following along with what Tom Spurgeon said that I'm comfortable with knowing that I have had a great run of Ted Cord, and I know that that character has lived, quote unquote, air quotes, lived his life uh, to a point, and then that he sounded has to like die. an angry cat. <laughs> well, here's and then he had to die. So I'm okay problem. with that if he never comes back, as long as he never comes back. I've got my great Barry Allen stories, or I've got my great Ted Kord stories, or I've got my great whatever stories. Death is not meaningless in comics because people come back from the dead. Mm -hmm. Death is meaningless in comics because death is meaningless in comics. Somebody has to be dead. Let me ask you this. At one point, 5, 10, 15 years ago, Justice League International was over. They relaunched JLA, and in JLA, there were three dead founding members. Hal Jordan, Barry Allen, and at the time, Oliver Queen were all dead. I count Oliver Oliver as a founding member because he came in in, like, issue four. Okay. If you, can, if you can count Captain America as a founding Avenger like they do at Marvel, then you can count Green Arrow. They were dead. And this was meaningful. And then they brought back Hal, and then they brought back Barry. So for a while... Their dead characters were Aquaman and the Martian Manhunter, mm-hmm. dead founding JLAers. And the JLA had meaning, and it had this, you know, real consequence. Some of our members have died, and they have not made it, Vixen. Are you sure you want to be in the league? Right. But now they're all back, too. Uh, Bucky is back. 
Right. Captain Marvel came back. Nobody remains dead. Now, it's a comic book. If we are going to talk about suspension of disbelief when nobody remains dead, we should also talk about the suspension of disbelief in that a five foot three inch Canadian has been to space no fewer than 57 times. And he's on speaking terms with six or eight different alien races while also supposed to be this serious down to earth samurai brawler character that we're supposed to believe is, you know, grim and gritty living in the city of Madripoor and running a bar. Mm-hmm. Suspension of disbelief is always going to be an issue in comics. Death is not meaningless because Ted Cord is dead, but somebody else came back. Death is meaningless because we're using it the same way we're using the number one, the same way we're using Hulk yeah. 600, Daredevil 500. It, they're using it as a ploy. I'll read this issue and see which leaguer will die. Who will die in the issue three of Green Arrow, or excuse me, Green Hornet right now, is the big thing. I want to know. I well, feel like out, that that's one. That's out today. Hopefully you read it already. That's the, that's the thing. I want to know. I haven't read my books this week. I've been working and I haven't been to the store. Okay. But there's also the factor to take into account that that's the main selling point to some degree of Green Hornet number three. Good or ill, finding out why, who dies and how and what happens afterwards is kind of the point of reading Green Hornet number three. Now, if it's played really well, it can be the centerpiece of a book. Jean Grey's death was extremely meaningful. And now they brought her back as a prepubescent girl from the future or something. You know, there are deaths in comics that have been, you know what, what death really moved me back in the day? It, the living Colossus, died in an awesome way. He's back now. You know, it, it, if we talk about death having meaning, it's not that death is irreversible because, come on, Superman has been 29 years old since 1939. You know, the character should be dead and his grandson should be Superman now. Mm. Unless we factor in some sort of alien healing factor. I don't know. But, you know, we have to look at these comics and part of the collector's mentality drives it to where you can look at it as your specific These are the issues that I'm going to reference. These are the issues that I'm going to collect. These are the issues that, quote-unquote, happened for me. Like Grant Morrison writing Batman, talking about those goofy 50s Batman stories with the Batman of Earth-X, and everybody was just like, oh, this is terrible. This is going to be stupid. But it worked really well, and it referenced a story that most people couldn't work into continuity. Mm -hmm. Now we all have to deal with that. I'm sure five years from now it will have not happened again. Yeah. Five years. Okay, now it hasn't have happened again. <laughs> I I just want, you know, hey, I don't care if Superman flies through a sun to clean his cape. I don't care if, uh, you know, if uh, Wolverine has bone claws or adamantium, adamantium claws. claws. You know, adamantium. if somebody dies, I want that to have meaning into the story, have some kind of impact, like Sue Dibney. When she died, you know, yeah, I th- I'm sure there was deal. a lot of people who were like, oh my God, I can't <laughs> believe they cared, killed a character like this, and... Some people were broken up over that, right? I hope they never bring her back. Because then that there is that emotional connection that we have that's tied to that particular storyline, tied to that creator, tied to that company or whatever. And then if next month you say, oh, guess what? She's walking around, hi, do you do? And just like when she came back as Eclipso, or no, not that was uh, Gene Loring. Uh, But, you know, if, if, if she does come back, it would, to me, would have, it would tarnish that, Big death moment where I had a lot of emotional impact tied into that story. So I would just say, I, I, I hear what you're saying, Matthew, but let's make dead dead. And 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 part of the problem is is that 
uh, I think editors and even writers uh, look at this series and it's like, oh my god, this was this series was so successful. How can we piggyback off of it? It's like, yes. I know. Let's bring the allegory that was supposed to stand for hyperviolent Marvel, uh, you know, Marvels and Image superheroes in Kingdom Come and make him a part of the Justice League. Right. 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 Good idea. Right, guys. No. It's no. Not. Okay. I hate no. Just checking. I hate Magog. But Just you know checking. what would be cool? You know what would be cool? What would be cool? Ted Cord is dead. Long live Ted Cord. Uh huh. Right. That's a good name for a series. There you go. Five years from now, someone comes up with the most brilliant Ted Cord Blue Beetle story ever conceived. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's going to be brilliant. It's going to sell billions. It's going to bring the comic book industry back from the brink. It's only going to be printed on paper, meaning it's going to force people into the comic book stores to buy this. They're not going to be able to download it. <laughs> they will hold off on trade paperback sales. It will just keep or reprinting. It will never be. It will never be offered. Never in be trade. collected in trade. You're going to have to get it in its initial run, or that's it. Mm-hmm. Right. So, the way to do this is Legends of the Blue Beetle. Yeah. Right. Let's tell these stories. The character's dead, but that doesn't mean all the stories about that character's life have been told. Let's set that 10 years before he died. Let's set this during the JLE or the JLI period. Let's set this during the JBL period. The JBL, the PBJ period, right? <laughs> uh, you don't you dare they, talk about JBL. And they have done this. They have done this with the Justice League. It's called, um, what? which series was it, Matthew, where it was still the Justice League? Can't era. believe it's the Justice League. Can't believe it's the Justice League. And it featured a story set in the time period before uh, Infinite Crisis and before everybody mm-hmm. started do- dropping dead. And it worked. It worked really, really well. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know what? You know what the problem sell. comes in? What's that? Readers don't like those books because they want to know how does it tie into my current I continuity know. And, know. and and how does this relate to Spider Man now and and part of and well, that's Blue Beetle and Spider Man really and again don't. that's part of the problem is that you can't have it both ways you right. can't have super strict continuity right. and also and le- let every superstar writer right. write whatever the crap they want right. how many futures are there for the Justice League. Is your future of the Justice League, Justice League 1 million? Is it the Legion? Eh, actually, the, I think Justice League 1 million did a good job of incorporating the Legion's, one of the Legion's timelines into it. Right. But that's another problem, which is the future of current Earth. Is it, because, you know, as far as we know, the previous Legions are still valid as far as the future, except for the one where they're still, you know, traveling back to the 50s and just pulling pranks on people. Yeah. And even yeah. then, aren't they bringing that Legion back? Or haven't they? Yeah. Yep, you know, the have. Legion is a, is a tough case because I always think of the time travel stories where something happens in current time mm-hmm. that has a rippling effect that should affect the Legion, the Legion down the, mm-hmm. the line so that you can have all the Legions that have ever existed because that's the future and it's right. not the current time. And some yeah. buddy steps on a butterfly mm-hmm. and suddenly everyone's <laughs> talking in her lack. And Saturn Girl is green. But... I will tell you, Rodrigo, I will tell you using my future powers mm-hmm. what the future of the DC universe looks like. Are you ready? Okay. I need a drum roll. Thank you. The future of the DC universe is going to look just like now. Yeah, <laughs> it is, unfortunately. Because 10 years ago, comics looked pretty much the same. And 10 years before that, comics looked pretty much the same. And all these future, you know, future imperfect, days yes. of future past, 
uh, the, the Moody Blues album, The Past the Future Day. I don't know. That's a beautiful album, by the way. Tuesday Afternoon is one of my favorite Tuesday songs of all time. Tuesday Afternoon. All right, stop. We're going to get sued. Oh, so this means that in just probably about six months from now, we're going to see the resurgence of Telos and, and Battle Chasers and all of these other fantasy big boob stories. Probably not. Well, no, we already have. What, what, where are they? How come I haven't read them? The, the, you know, fantasy big boob stories, Stephen? Oh, you're talking about Xenoscope? That's not, that's not like fantasy, oh, fantasy d That's it's like... The same it's, it's, it's just the story of a young girl with big boobs yes. running through a fantasy land, yes. running away from a large, powerful yes. nemesis yes. that is trying there's to no gain dragons. control of... Oh, okay. And there's no sword play. But there are yes. dragons in Grim Fairy Tales, Stephen. Are there none of the and ones that uh, none of the ones that uh, Xenoscope has put out? Let's also break down the whole comic mystique. If you look at, say, an issue one relaunch versus renumbering, it's literally the same thing. It's mm-hmm. literally trying to capture part of mm-hmm. a, a nebulous mercurial audience and catching what's going to catch their eye. We're going to put the beast back in the Avengers in a couple of months. Yep, and I'll sure. guarantee you that inside of five years, somebody will be like, the beast returns to the X-Men. Yep. And people will be like, Oh, I'm so glad I missed the beast and the X-Men. Yep. There, yep I mean, yep, there's, yep. there's no winning. Yep. There's no way for a comics company, for a comic writer, for a comic publisher to always make people happy. You know, it's not even a question of fooling some of the people some of the time. It's making a majority of the people happy on the long term. This way JLA to the egress, was everyone. a return. Huh? This way to the egress, everyone. Well, that's the thing. JLA number one in 1992 was a relaunch of the core seven Justice Leaguers from Brave and the Bold number 28 in 1961. It was back to basics. Now we're at the point where back to basics has been the norm for so long that we're going to try and do something wild and different. We're going to have an Avengers team with, you know, the thing and an Avengers team led by Luke Cage and an Avengers team that consists of, you know, three X-Men, the three D man and the two gun kid. And 10 years from now, people are going to be like, it's not the Avengers without Iron Man, Thor and Captain America. And we'll relaunch with the core three. Actually, I think they're doing that at the same time. Yep. Yep. All right, so things are never going to change. In fact, we're going to be back here on Tuesday talking about Battle Chasers, so you'll want to go ahead and find a copy of that. Battle Chasers! Here's the we'll hint. It's that. got bazongas. Yes, it does. And then next Saturday, of course, don't forget our noir double feature with the Maltese Falcon and the uh, Chinatown Deathclad Peril. Before we get out of and here, though, I do want to uh, give a shout-out to Crop Hop, who posted a five-star review of the Major Spoilers podcast over at iTunes, where he says... These guys are have obviously poured their hearts and soul into the website and this podcast. Lots of fun to listen to. And the 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 L3 KRAM 3 Tan. The best podcast out there, good for the comic noob and the expert alike. He does say some something to the effect that the shows without Rodrigo are kind of a chore sometimes. <laughs> Which isn't to say that Matthew and Steven aren't great. <laughs> The show's just greater than the sum of its parts. Like synergy, Leeds, you know. It's Leeds speak and they like Rodrigo. Yes. I think it is. Mr. Rodrigo. Lopez, you can <laughs> no longer sock puppet comments on the iTunes. <laughs> hey, Thank you so much. I everybody. should I should 
just the fact that I can type with a sock puppet on. <laughs> well, then again, maybe it's not on my hand. Yeah. <laughs> and well, on it's not like you're typing here, with both hands thank anyway. Thank you so much, everyone, for the uh, five-star reviews over at iTunes. Please keep them coming because we can do greater things down the road. And we will talk with you next time. If you have any questions, comments, topic ideas for future shows, or would like to sponsor a show, send an email to podcast at Majorspoilers.com. Visit Majorspoilers at Majorspoilers.com and be sure to check out the Major Spoilers forum. You can also follow Major Spoilers on Twitter at twitter.com slash Majorspoilers and on MySpace at myspace.com slash Majorspoilers. Fat Dick's revision of Superman I could save a few bucks and stand around And read through the covers of the comics on the stand But although every other page Would be backwards I suppose I could still read the evens and the odds Well I don't know Guess I haven't thought this all the way through Plus as soon as the comic book store guy knew He kicked my butt out on the corner What a major spoiler What a major spoiler Way. If I was hulking green or gray, I could just bust through that brick wall, take their comic books away. But then the little meat would deal with all the tanks and bombs and guns. Have you ever tried to read a series with all that going on? Guess I need to rethink this plan. How would I back and board my comics with such huge hands? Guess I already told ya. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a major spoiler What a major spoiler If I'm Stark Raven rich like a man of iron I might not be surprised to find That I might actually have the heart cold To follow an entire storyline But would I really even need To read upon all those escapades I mean, who needs such distractions When your sister's such a babe But the downside is such a beast Being shot up in a fun Be in the Middle East With a King Santo and soldier what a major spoiler What a major spoiler Yeah, yeah, yeah What a major spoiler Whoa, 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 whoa What a major spoiler Major Spoilers Podcast Copyright 2010 Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event Right now get 20% below MSRP For an average of 15178 Under MSRP On the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE or Summit 4xE. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.